0: How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshaies. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Jason
2: oh we're going back to the cowboy looking thing. think
1: <laughs> you said it was your
2: favorite it is my favorite it is my favorite i was just thinking about we we've got a conference coming up in the fall with in in arizona and so it's kind of the like, think of the saguaro cactuses and the oh, western yeah. theme of things and,
1: howdy partner howdy
2: yeah <laughs> we, we i went to a meeting last year in san antonio and they did um a rodeo and everything and that was pretty Pretty interesting to kind of like, I haven't been one of these in a bit. And,
1: yeah. You know,
2: little kids on horses, like 10-year-olds.
1: I don't know if I've ever been to a rodeo.
2: I There are people who bought boots, but brought or bought boots just for the event. And I'm like, I have been at reasons where I should wear boots and I've never bought a pair that I'm not really inclined to. But no. people wanted to really get into it. So, you oh, know, yeah. work out pretty good
1: sounds pretty fun so what are we talking about today
2: well so we're going to wrap up our series on the five uses of money and we've had episodes talking about giving and this being giving away resources to others for the for not your benefit we've talked about owing money and that's debt to banks or to creditors of some sort but also taxes that you pay we've talked about growing and saving money and how you can apply that and there's kind of this other bucket that's like everything else. Right. You know, it's your more utility bill. It's eating out all that fun. That's your live bucket. And it, I'd say that in the normal U.S. culture, this is actually most people's first thing is they establish lifestyle first. And those other five things kind of happen. They win and- after that. And I'm not so sure that's the best way of doing it. I know it's not the best way of doing it. It's actually the last thing you should do. And that's really because it's the plug. We describe kind of the pizza pie, right? And so as you cut up the other slices and you go, okay, well, my plan is I'm going to give 5% of my income. You, know, you cut the 5% slice. Okay. Then I got to pay uncle Sam. There's my taxes. Oh, uh, the bank owes something for my house, my car. And I have to save my 401k and my emergency fund. So there's a, Oh, well, what's left. That's a, it's still usually a big part of the pie. For a lot of people, it's 40 to 60% of what they spend. But it's kind of has to be all the other stuff. And it's uh, it's an area where also most people tend to go a little hog wild. And I think that's where we kind of want to talk about today is a little bit like, well, how you establish what's your lifestyle. You know, it's sometimes a lot of people kind of stumble into it and how you control it, but then how does it change as you gain more wealth and as you gain more income? So we're going to talk about that today. Sound good? Yeah, bring
1: it on. I want
2: more Bring it on, baby. Okay, well, first off, I like to say you got to kind of know where you stand today, right? And some people are trackers or software. Some people are like, they use the envelope system. And that's really, that's old school, is when you go to the ATM, you get cash, and you take the cash to the grocery store. And every time you got your envelope and you kind of pay it out and then what's left, that kind of determines how much you spent. That's a bit, a little more a faux pas or gauche to do in the post COVID world where no one takes cash anymore. What a word. A little gauche. And so that's one way of doing it. That works actually really good with kids. Cashing kids works because it's like, our family uses jars with each of the kids. have a They have a savings jar, a giving jar, and then they're like spending jar. Okay. But that's easy for them because they visualize it. It's like tangible and everything. In today's modern digital world, most people need something that is functional. And that's where there's plenty of apps for that. Where did that come from, by the way? Who said there's an app for that? Was that an Apple thing? I think it was Apple. I think yeah. it was Apple. So, so there are apps. There's You Need a Budget, that's YNAB. There's Mint. There's a number of them. And there's a difference between tracking and intentionality. So we're going to kind of like start with tracking. That's when usually you connect these apps to your bank. And as things come in, you just say, oh, that was the grocery. That was eating out. That was going and buying a Lego set for the kids or whatever. So you kind of build your little like spend. But it's it's like a historical reference, Mm -hmm. right? So you're reporting on what you had spent before. The next step of that is really kind of like projecting out like a spending plan. And I'm not saying budgeting because most people have used budget as a four-letter word.
1: Well, it feels constrictive. Spending plan, it's the same thing.
2: (laughs) Plan's a four-letter word, I think, right? (laughs) Do you like the term budget? What does that mean to you, Wendy? If you hear someone say, here's your budget, what what does that feel like to you? It feels like
1: something that I can't adhere to.
2: Yeah. you like, you got to stay within these little, right. There's your path. You got to do this. And you, if you go over budget, you're going to get in trouble. Right. And especially if you work for government entities or something, if you don't spend your whole budget, you lose your budget. So right. there's this negative feeling there. So that's where we like to say, this is, it's a plan. It's intentional. There's the bingo card. Again, we've, we talked about, I've talked about the bingo card in past episodes, get your mark, you get your dabber out. We just use the word intentional. So there we go. Go for blackout. The (laughs) the intentionality is like I'm going to think ahead of what I'm going to spend and I'm going to allocate money to that. And I think my wife is fantastic at this. Uh, She kind of runs this for our family and, you know, paycheck comes in and she carves that up into a bunch of different places. She puts the part that goes to the mortgage. She puts the part she knows is going to go to groceries. And we have a family of five and that's a pretty sizable chunk. I imagine. anymore, more. You know, dog food, gas, utilities. And she kind of carves up before she spends it. So this is like money comes in and we know this, is, this may not be spent for two or three weeks. And so it gets accumulated. And what's kind of neat about that intentionality, though, is you end up starting to build a surplus, right? Because you're thinking about the car repair. I know I'm going to have to get the oil changed. That costs about $70. So I got to start putting a little bit every month into the, to the car bucket and you start filling it up. eventually when those expenditures happen, you've already gotten planned for, because you were being intentional about how am I going to spend this money? And that includes all the regular stuff. And even the, you know, in the summer we live in North Carolina, it's hot. Let's not argue. It's hot here. It's, (laughs) it's humid and hot. And that's why the pool's there and that's why the air conditioner better work, but your electric bill is going to be higher in the summer. Oh Yeah. you get the occasional cold spell and it's going to be cold. So you got to have heat. So you have those like weird, some people like to average them out and you can do that with your utility company. You can spread the cost and they kind of average it for you, but you know, it's never the same. Mm -hmm. So you got to have those ups and downs, but you have to kind of put money away for the high times during those low times. So I think that's where you can start building that up. And it's really, it's kind of automated and you can start thinking about that. And then it's a lot more free. I'm like, oh yeah, I can go spend this. I've been stocking up for this. Mm-hmm. I know I want to go and buy something nice. I know I'm not doing that all the time, but I've been putting money away and I can go have a nice dinner out mm-hmm. with a friend or I can buy myself something nice, a nice Some new pretty. headband. <laughs> something pretty, like a nice headband. <laughs> or whatever. My, my wife got a new shirt and she's like, oh, this is kind of fun. And so she can do that because she's been playing for that, do those kind of things. And I think that's where you can kind of establish those, okay, this is where I know I spend my money. And then it gets to this last step. And the last step is the hardest one, I think. Go figure it's the last step. But it's also the most mature step, which is the saying wins enough. And it's really easy. And I have seen I've had clients who have had these ratchet up major shifts in income because one went he was a doctor. And he started work, he made nothing. He was in residency, he made like 50 grand. And then he got into private practice and made $125,000 one year, a quarter million dollars next year, half a million dollars next year. That's a major shift in income. And a lot of times with people is as that money increases, the lifestyle goes right up with it. Right. And because they're keeping up with the Joneses, their peers are driving Teslas and their peers are in really nice houses in the best part in gay communities. And it's not saying you can't have that, but there is a point where you have to cap it, right? Because if you don't, you can't do all these other things. And a really mature spender, uh, and I'd say someone who's mature in their financial, usually with some coaching through people like us, is putting that hard line in there and saying, yeah, here's your lifestyle. You can live a really comfortable lifestyle, but you have excess. And then it gets intentionally, but because you cap that living number, it did not make it the plug and fill and spent everything else. You didn't save or pay the government or what, a or bank or give away. You're actually going to keep that pie sliced and then you're going to repurpose the other stuff for better positive uses. Okay. And I think that's pretty cool. It takes a long time to get there. So I don't want anyone listening to this is going, well, Jason, that sounds delightful. I'd love to be able to say it. I live my not bougie, you know, painting picture life and it's not about that it's not a painting it's just saying wins is enough and i don't know that wendy if you if you you, you had someone come up and tell you that okay wendy i want you to put a stake in the ground say this is my lifestyle does that seem like that would be an easy conversation for you yeah i do Did yeah,
1: I think you wanted me to say no though, right?
2: No, actually, I actually am I glad said, you didn't I spent say no. A
1: lot of time
2: thinking about this. This is good. Actually, I would love to hear that. So tell me a little bit like, what your thought process is on that. So you get to like let's pretend you're my client. Like, what okay. would I I say, Wendy, what do you have like a set lifestyle that you're gonna do? Like, walk me through what you think as a non-financial person with this.
1: Okay, my goal. Is to, I'm going to stay in the house that I currently live in, love my house, pay that off. I want to make enough money to help my husband retire. I want to be able to make enough money to help my husband retire. So then we can travel and I want to spend a month in Europe and a month here and a month. And I want to have the freedom to stay where I want while doing my work remotely Mm -hmm. and choosing where to be at that point in time, maybe a, along some point along the lines, I'll get like a house in Arizona, maybe Florida, something like that for a winter time retreat. But that's basically what I'm thinking. I mean, I don't need super duper cars. I mean, I might buy a, you know, fancy purse here and there, but it's nothing that I have to have.
2: So you have, you've, what you've done is said, I see my future. Oh, yeah. I know what I would like. So I know I have to make some, not sacrifices, but you <laughs> have to like be thoughtful now to mm-hmm. get what you want later. Right. And that's cool. And I think that's you know, the ultimately the idea is that with this like live bucket is you spend less than you earn. Right. So you don't want to be, I have my $10,000 income and I spend my $15,000 in lifestyle. That doesn't work so well.
1: No. <laughs> but,
2: but all those kind of trade-offs where you can say, hey, we're happy and content right now gives you that flexibility later. And, and kind of taking this a step further is that when we talk about living and that changes as you go through life, right? Like my wife and I boom, is just the two of us. We used to take a cruise every year and that was our thing. We have three kids and three dogs. Now there is no easy cruising, right? I mean, getting five people on a boat is an expensive proposition. And so our spend pattern has changed. It's more in children's activities and those kind of things. And then as, as those kids age up and out of this house, it will change again. And when you retire there, you spend money differently, right? It's maybe you travel and some people want to travel and be bougie, right? So they want to take first class and they want to have the nice resorts. Other people are like, I want to backpack when I'm in my sixties. Cause I can yeah. I'm in between there. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a the middle, right? So, but because you're kind of establishing what lifestyle looks for you. And then I think the biggest piece is that has to maintain for a while. You can't I don't see a lot of success where some people are like living hog wild and they're spending a lot, and maybe they make a lot. So they go, I'm I'm allowed to do that. It doesn't just turn back off when you decide you're gonna change the thing. So if you go from making let's be absurd. $2 million a year, and you're used to just going you know, wherever you want first class, you go first class. Well, then you lose that job or you retire, and now you're on, I say, fixed income. Maybe you have a lot of income still, but you can't spend at the same pace. And that's hard for people to adjust to. And mm-hmm. as we see people sell businesses and retire, we we actually tell them that living costs, you got to give, give yourself some buffer that you have to reacclimate to a new, a new lifestyle. And even personally, when we, Sold the practice. There was a period of a couple months where it was like, well, this is how we used to spend money. I don't have the same flow. We have to get used to that. And we had some, we we took some money from when we sold the practice and kind of had it in this bucket that was like, well, just in case we have some buffer here, we've got some coverage for that. Because it's not like lifestyle choices don't usually happen. Like you'll wake up one more and go, I think of that meme with the cat with the sweater reading the paper. And it's like, I should go buy a blah, like I should go buy a Tesla. You know, I don't go from driving a minivan that's got, you know, a bunch of crud in it because my children that eat snacks. To then, I'm gonna go buy a high end Tesla tomorrow. Yeah, maybe I do, but but that usually people don't make major shifts, so it's a gradual transition in that lifestyle piece. And we want we want people to think about that and again, have intentionality, and really be thoughtful about what do I want my life to look like. Don't just phone it in. No one should just phone it in with anything really. Be specific. Be specific. If you want to have the first class lifestyle, you can go do that. You can make that choice. And I'm a big advocate for people make choices. Now, not all choices are intelligent. Not all choices are doable because especially with money, there's only so much. It's a finite resource. So you can't just like have all the things you want. And I remember in... As I was getting my CFP and everything, there were you know there'd be test questions, and it's always these fact patterns that are like, if so and so wants to send all their children to Ivy League schools and they make seventy five thousand dollars a year, you kind of have to make different choices, right? Because you can't do all these things with a limited pool of money and just expect to get all the favorite outcomes you want. And I think that's where lifestyle is a hard one because it's it's very personal, but it's also like. It's hard in our current economy, not our economy, in our culture, that if someone's successful, they have to look a certain way. Right. And I, I would argue, I mean, you call it the millionaire next door, but like the my favorite type of people who I've interacted with are the people who you who have resources, they have flexibility, but they are themselves, very genuinely themselves, and they're unassuming because they have made choices and, and they have been and they do it out of awareness of themselves an awareness of what they want out of their life and they end up having abundance usually and i mean abundance not just being like money coming out of their ears but they are generally then giving to their family and they're giving to charity and they find opportunities to just be thoughtful of other people uh so it's it's just a cool way of existing and i think that lifestyle one that takes the most maturity because it's, it's it is habit based giving and growing. I mean, that's like the every month I save a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks that can somewhat go on autopilot. You can establish this like intention, but then it can go on autopilot. Lifestyle is one that every day you make a choice. Am I buying this thing or not? Mm -hmm. Am I buying the thrift store stuff or am I buying the brand new off the rack stuff? and those micro choices you know add up and it allows you to do other things like and i'm a big i'm gonna say i'm a big fan of the thrift store my wife is a thrifter i think that's the official phrase you use for people like shop at the thrift store but she has like filled my closet with super cool shirts like dress shirts when we went back to the office and it was like They cost like four or five bucks each. But some of these were like $60 shirts if they bought them brand new. And I'm like, you can do that. I'm so proud of her for finding those things because that's like, for me, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I get a nice thing that looks cool, but I didn't pay a ton of money for it. And I don't have the shame or any sort of shame of someone else has put this on their skin before me. I mean, this went to the laundromat. I saw saw the tag from the laundry (laughs) service. I'm like, this is clean as anything else. But those are the kind of choices we make as a family that enable us to then say, hey, when we find something cool that we want to do as a family, we can do that kind of stuff because we made yeah. the different choices. So I just think that's a, this is an area where it's hard because it's – I can tell you as a financial advisor, it's been – those are some of the more uncomfortable discussions when people are having issues with their finances it is like, so do you really need to do that? Do you know how much you spend? Right. And then they're like, I don't know. And then you get them to do it and like, oh, man, like yeah. they could be mature. You think like they should have they have all this money or they have retirement savings, they have stuff, but they're really kind of far on that that chart kind of on the back end where they haven't even started figuring out how much they spend every month.
1: Well, and I think a lot of it, you know, a very common example is, you know, do you get coffee out every day? You mm-hmm. know, are you going to a place that's charging you five, six, seven dollars for a cup of coffee when you can make it at home for, you know, twenty nine cents? That's a big factor. And then these automatic payments, another issue that you really have to keep on top of. Oh, subscriptions Uh, are dangerous. Streaming services do you have? I just actually went through and cleared out some of my streaming services because it's just they've gotten high. I mean, well, when I and, signed up for them, they were nothing, but now they're high.
2: Well, yeah, you had the 12 month discount thing, but you keep going. You keep paying them And
1: Well, no, even like with Netflix, it was nine ninety nine when I started with Netflix. It's now oh, yeah. $17 a month.
2: It and <laughs> those two you guys are well, why do we watch? And I remember we got renewed like somehow we got. Bamboozled, maybe. Oh, <laughs> we'll get the we'll do the annual thing because we save 20 percent. Right. Well, then you kind of forgot about for the year, and, and all of a sudden, renews. ping! All renew. I'm like, do you know we just paid a hundred bucks for that? No, and you can't cancel it because all of them have terms and conditions. You can cancel, but there's no refunds. Right. You got it for another year now, and so I was like, well, I'm canceling it now while I remember it because the the but it's those things especially add up, and that's culturally we have moved into more of that consumption on demand kind of mindset, which has actually changed how we process money because before like back in the old days, Netflix was DVDs that physically came to you. For those of you who have not experienced that, I remember the red envelope (laughs) that you had to get. It wasn't a great selection, but there was that tangibility to it that was like, oh yeah, I'm using Netflix because movies are coming and going. Now it's just there and you can use it or don't use it, but you not using it does not mean you didn't pay for it. And, And then, you know, you needed something, you know, we wanted to watch the Super Bowl one year or the big game. It depends if you have approval by the NFL to say <laughs> Super Bowl.
1: I'm not going to tell. Yeah,
2: don't tell anybody. But it was, like, oh, it was on NBC one year. So you have to get the subscription that so you can watch it because we don't have like cable anymore. But those things, well, then you start paying for it and just kept paying for it and you just forget about it. And so that's, and again, a little of that thoughtfulness is going, what am I paying for in my day to day life, which is where even tracking your spending kind of exposes those kind of things and going, do you know, we're paying 20 bucks a month to do what is that? Right. And, and when both of you go, I have no idea. And you have to Google it. Whatever comes up in the credit card charge probably means you're not using it very much. And okay. it's probably okay to cancel the thing. And those right. little incremental changes actually add up because yes. as we talk about the streaming costs have gotten expensive yeah, let's say you don't watch Netflix, you're not watching Paramount Plus, and you're not watching Peacock and you're not watching something. Apple uh, YouTube, Apple TV, boom, you could be at 120 bucks a month of free mm-hmm. cash flow freed up by just saying, I'm gonna stop this. Right. I don't do this. Why am I even paying for it at this point?
1: Right. And then in, in, in essence, every single time a show will come on that you forgot about and you won't be able to watch it. Just warning you, it always happens.
2: <laughs> so then you binge watch it, right? Yeah. You know, so you like get for one month, I'm going to watch all of the shows and then I'm going to turn off again. I'll have and to then wait, wait until six more months. I'll have
1: to wait until winter to do that. Now that it's summer. I,
2: I was watching. I'm a, I really enjoy star Trek. And so Picard, which had their third season, came out. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to hang on to that subscription just until yeah. Picard wraps up. And then I'm going to shut down,
1: too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we were going to get rid of Disney Plus because that had gotten, you know, a little pricey. And then they got me with the, Well, if you if you agree to commercials, we'll only charge you this month. So I'm like,
2: OK, <laughs> now, take your commercials. Fine.
1: So I have a question that's kind of on topic, but maybe a little bit off. You know, I'm a Gen Xer. I was raised in a time where we were starting with debit cards and we paid for everything with debit cards. When I was young, it was all cash. Um, And then, you know, you have cash in your pocket. You tend to spend it, right? Mm -hmm. So we liked the fact that we had debit cards or credit cards that we could use. But now everywhere I go, I'm getting charged for using that. A credit card processing fee, a transaction fee. So should we be going back to cash?
2: Well, you know, COVID kind of killed that one for us because it used to be that, you know, people took cash. But then when there was a period of time where if you handed someone paper and you couldn't bleach it at the moment, it was dirty, right? Right. And so a lot of people went out of that. Also, there's been a lot of uh, trend, even without COVID, of moving away from cash for various reasons. And that's created conversation around bankability. Some people aren't banked. And so they only have cash. They don't have a debit card to use or a credit card. But there's also risk to the employee. Like someone walks in and wants to like put a gun in your face and say, I want to steal what's in your register. That's a risk to businesses. And so they just don't want to have that risk anymore. So they go a credit card. I, I do see that cash, because I've become the opposite. It used to be the same way. I, if I had cash, I'd spend it. But now I had cash and I don't want to spend it. It's kind of a weird change. I don't know if it's okay. what flipped, but I think it's like it's in there and it's nice to know it's there. I do feel like the tangibility piece has a component to making it real. Versus the card swipe just kind of accumulates. I mean, I remember when Tina and I got married in 2005, we took a cruise for our honeymoon. And, you know, they tell you, okay, just put it on your room card. Swipey, swipey. And, you know, I didn't look at receipts, just swipey, swipey. And then all of a sudden, the last night of the cruise, we like pull up the bill on the TV. And I almost fell over. I was like, (laughs) holy crap. Because it was the gratuity. And it, so they charged a, a fee and then you, you know, you like the bartender or whatever and give them a tip. Right. And then you, then you had the drink or the food or whatever you did. And so there's a part of it where the man, like I I get myself. I remember traveler's checks. Yes. And you had the, you know, those things and they were like the, you could exchange them. You must be older than I thought you were. You know, I, I, I stick myself into a chirogenic chamber sometimes. just to keep my age looking good but you know i've seen many things in my life but there is something about again having it in your hand versus like just swiping where i do feel like some people will it's a hard it's a hard balance for them some people are really built where if it's cash like you're describing they would be really responsible because it's like they know what they spend and they would you know track it better There's other people who, because they use apps or something to track their spending, if it hits that card, they know exactly what they spent because it's being accounted for on their behalf through some technology.
1: Well, and I just want to kind of clarify this. If a a business decides that they're not going to take cash, can they then charge us for using a card?
2: I do think it's a little sassy. I mean, I I do think that (laughs) as business owners- it's
1: wrong. (laughs) It's wrong.
2: I do think as businesses at this point- um, and I guess this is just the transition from kind of a one way of doing business to another that we're still kind of working through. I do feel like at this point, if you are going to take payment, you have to assume a credit card processing charge is a cost of doing business, and that should reflect in your pricing. That's just my opinion. But I feel that's like not what it, they're doing that's and what
1: they're, what's frustrating.
2: They say, well, if, unless you spend five dollars, uh, if you spend five dollars, we're going to charge and you put on your credit card, we're going to charge you. A dollar convenience fee, right. and then you know, so now everything costs a little extra. I guess that's a my personal belief is you know you should absorb that as a business. You should plan to make it easy for people to pay for you, pay for your goods and services, but don't penalize them for their method of payment. Mm-hmm. I, I've even said I'd rather get ninety seven percent of someone's bill as when I was when I you know bill people for work we did. I'd rather get it 97% now than really like fight them over the, you guys send me a check and I want to get my 100% number just because it didn't make sense. And, right. you, you know, and everyone now, I don't really care if you want points. I don't really care if you uh, get rewards for using a correct card. We all do. We all have that. But let's just like not penalize each other and say, yeah well, you know, when I go to the convenience store. I better get my extra 3% add on to it. Cause I just, that's, I don't like that. I'm, I I mean agree that. with you, Wendy. It that is. is a terrible way of doing things.
1: Frustrating, but it's everybody, Jason. So we're outnumbered. Everybody we doing it now.
2: Eventually they'll have to give up on that. And, well, and there's been places that have actually put laws in place that doesn't allow for that. Yeah. Because they're like, well, you're not really disclosing it. You can't just really add as a fee or you have to do it very specifically. And right. so I think that'll that'll shift as things are, happening, but again,
1: you're
2: right. I do too. I like being right. Yeah, I'm sure you do. (laughs) The APM fees, you
1: know, that 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 got completely out of control and they never were able to do anything about that. But I feel like we've gotten really off course here and I apologize.
2: (laughs) You know, but this is the great thing about this podcast. We can talk about where it fits us. I mean, a use of money is going spending in cash or on credit card. Right. And kind of like end on this one, we can kind of wrap up this before we go on to. I don't we, we talk about credit cards and cash. I am not a we prefer to use a term like Dave Ramsey, like yeah. where it's like if you use a credit card, you are damning yourself to a life of financial ruin. Right. I think there's some people who can't use it because they can't process the like, you know, you are you are effectively borrowing short term money. Right.
1: You have to pay off. it off. You got
2: pay it off. You have to pay it back. <laughs> but I think if you use it just as a tool, especially because sometimes you can't buy cash for stuff like you can't. And even a debit card, I don't trust because there's different protections, right? For a debit right. card versus a credit card. I Like when I buy airline tickets or I buy certain things on the internet, I prefer to use a credit card knowing that we're going to pay it off every month mm-hmm. because if something weird happens and my data gets compromised, which happens pretty alarmingly frequently, yes. it's like, I want to be able to say, oh, it's capped at 50 bucks. Not that they can tap in my bank account and take everything that's in there. Exactly. So I, I think you can be... You can manage it and use it as a tool. If you can't use the tool, that'd be the same if you can't use a power tool because you don't wear safety stuff. You can't use a power drill. You can't use a, a blade saw or whatever. You know, you got to be able to use the tool. If you can't, then don't use it. But it's not like you're an evil person or you're a financial failure if you use a credit card. Just be smart right. about it.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: So when you, okay. before we wrap up, what was your favorite part of this little series here of our five uses of money? Which one did you think mm-hmm. like really echoed with you?
1: I think probably when we were talking about growing your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I really liked learning about growing your money because that's what I need to do.
2: Is <laughs> what resonates with you today. Yes. Very cool. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I'm glad hopefully, hopefully positive impact for you, positive impact for our listeners. And we'll probably dive more in the future episodes, with different topics. We'll talk about Home debt and home equity loans. We kind of talk about that in our O section. We talk about more advanced giving strategies. We'll talk about savings and more about HSAs and health insurance. We'll talk all that good stuff in a future episode of this wonderful podcast.
1: All right. Well, thank you. I really did learn a lot, so I appreciate it. And how do people get in touch with
2: you, Jason? Check out our website, cookwealth.com or call our office, 919-784-9100.
1: And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission.